and welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast, a podcast for copywriters all about copywriting. These days, we're all aiming to make a deeper, more real connection with our customers. And we know that the way to do this is through conversational copy. Instead of stuffy, over-formal content, we want to create warm, engaging, friendly wordage that makes us feel like we're chatting with an authoritative but affable buddy. Now, how do we do this? How do we write great conversational copy? Well, today we are talking to the lovely Vicky Ross. We're going to share our top tips for chatty but non-cheesy copy. Hello, my name is Kate Toon and I am a copywriter, the founder of the Clever Copywriting School and the Recipe for SEO Success online learning hub. And with me today is the delicious... The lovely Belinda Weaver. Hello, everyone. My name is Belinda Weaver. I'm also a copywriter. My business is Copyright Matters, and I'm the creator of the Copywriting Masterclass. And we also have Vicky Ross. Hello, Vicky. Yay. Uh, hi there. She's slightly terrified. We have terrified <laughs> her before this podcast, and she's really regretting saying yes to it. But hopefully, hopefully by the end, you'll be happy you're here. I'm going to start by reading out your bio. Well, I'm going to do my best to read it out because it's a long one. Because well, Apparently, Vicky just writing copy then. for 22 years. 22 years? Yeah. So you started when you were four, basically. <laughs> uh, well, I started when I was 18. Just left school. I knew that I wanted to be a writer. I didn't know what copywriter was, but I just wanted to get on with it. Well, that's good. And you've worked for some big brands like Sky, Now TV, and ITV. And you work with some of the big agencies like Sapient, WCRS, and Portis. And you specialize in branding and tone of voice. And you run workshops around the world for D&AD and Creative Equals, as well as teaching copywriting at London School of Communication Arts. You're also a regular judge on the international creative panels like D&AD, D&AD New Blood, DMA, Creative <laughs> Circle and AdStars Korea. Good Lord. And last year was named one of Campaign Magazine's top 30 female creative leaders. On Twitter, she's created Copywriters Unite hashtag, which is how I found Vicky, to connect copywriters online every day and in person at quarterly Copywriters Unite meetups across the UK. She also created things you hear in agencies hashtag things you hear in agencies which you can find at at agency quotes two years ago vicky and fellow british copywriter andy maslin created copy cabana an annual seaside event to celebrate copywriting it's all changed this year so keep an eye out for an exciting announcement very soon that sounds exciting as somebody who runs a copywriting conference over here in australia (laughs) quick plug may 5th be there or be square Organising a big event like that is a lot of work, isn't it? So much work. Um, I I want each year when I'm in the middle of it, I just think, what the hell am I doing? I'm not an events organiser. It just is not easy, as I'm sure you know. And I, I, it sounds like you do yours by yourself. Andy and I, at least we've got each other, but we're doing it by ourselves. And um, it, yeah, it takes up half my life. I was up at two o'clock this morning sending him emails um, but it's all worth it because there's no other event like ours and copywriters just don't have enough things to go to to inspire them. So um, it's definitely, you know, a big day for us in the year. I always feel like I'm planning a massive party, which is nice. I feel like I'm planning my wedding because I never had a wedding. So I spend an awful lot of time thinking about like, I'm gonna, I've am gonna. i actually, this will make, this might make you laugh. <laughs> you might think I'm weird. 
I really want to have like nice things on the table. So I've actually done a bulk order for 150 <laughs> packets of frazzles because they're my favorite crisps. And I really want these Australian people to taste my culture. So I've done that, but I haven't done any of my print media. So I was up at 2am this morning. I woke up stark upright and was like, I need to order pop-up banners. So, yes. I know. It's crazy what you wake up thinking about in the middle of the night for an event. And, um, yeah, it, it obviously takes over from the copywriting bit, the day job. But, yeah, it's worth it. And same, I didn't have a wedding either. Um, it just went down to the registry office. So it does feel like planning a wedding. And every time we go and look at a venue or something, I just think, oh, I'm glad I didn't have a wedding. Oh, God, it's horrendous. Belinda, did you have a wedding, as a side note? Uh, yes, but it was quite a small, fun one. Oh, that's good. Well, you know, I think I think you're right, though, Vicky, and um, we're going off track a little bit before we get into our subjects, but I found you through the Copywriters Unite hashtag. Um, and, you know, it's a it's a... It's an odd thing to think you can connect with other people on Twitter. I know Twitter isn't everyone's favourite social media platform. But Belinda and I first started chatting on Twitter. So, you know, mm. you can create that sense of community with just a hashtag. It's quite clever, isn't it, really, this online marketing stuff? So, I think the, um, the things you hear in agencies hashtag is one of the best things on the internet. Oh, thank you. It is so funny. <laughs> Some of the things that people tweet is just, it's crazy, but it's all true. Um, so yeah, it's great. And then the, the Copywriters Unite hashtag, or just Twitter, in fact. So I use it a lot. I, I love it because I work from home by myself and it, I use it as my sort of, you know, looking up in the office and having a chat with someone who's walking past. I just pop onto Twitter and, and do it that way kind of thing. Oh, the the internet age, hey? It is good. I mean, both Belinda and I have little communities on Facebook, but they're obviously got the select people in who, you know, like us and want to be in our communities. And I find Twitter's <laughs> a great way to connect with copywriters from all over the world. So we'll share those hashtags in the show notes so that you can start following them as well. But look, let's get stuck into the episode. Um, and today um, we wanted to talk to you, Vicky, since you obviously are very prolific and successful copywriter, but also known for specifically, I can't speak, uh, talking around tone of voice and creating, you know, real personality and writing real conversational copy. But for those of of, of the listeners who are listening, who don't really understand what conversational copy is, can you give us a bit of a definition? Yeah, um, I'd say that conversational copy comes before the tone of voice bit like you have to nail the conversational tone before you then add your personality into it um and I think people find that difficult because we're so used to having um written in in proper formal English at school but this is completely different um so conversational copy is easy natural and clear it's it's how you'd really talk um and it's important to uh, write conversationally because when we're writing we're, we're writing to people in their homes in their cars their gyms their bedrooms uh, with their kids so we must respect them and then they'll invite us in so uh, we have to make sure they're interested in what we have to say and how we say it rather than jumping right in with a me 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 message um, or something that's really hard sell and shouty because that just isn't conversational that's not how you talk to uh, a person in front of you. I think that's interesting that you say this this step comes before the tone of voice because often, you know, when you're working with clients or when I'm working with clients, well, I'll say, hey, you know, so what, what kind of brand values do you want? What kind of tone of voice do you want? And they'll say, oh, we want a conversational tone of voice. And it's like, well, no, that's not really a tone of voice. Do you know what I mean? 
No. Uh, so how do you, how do you, you know, chatty isn't really a tone of voice. How would you differentiate the two to somebody who didn't understand what we were talking about? I'm a small business owner. You've just told me that conversational isn't a tone of voice. What is a tone of voice then? Well, so I, I always say that uh, copywriting is a conversation. That's the baseline. That's the, that's where you start. And then you add in the tone of voice, which comes from your brand personality. So you need sort of, uh, you need adjectives to bring that to life. Conversational isn't the right adjective because it's sort of the, uh, the fail safe. That's, that's, I'm repeating myself. That's to add in the, are you excitable in your conversational tone or are you, um, miserable? I don't know why I thought of that because no one would have miserable as a tone of voice principle. Um, uh, are you fun? Fun's always a difficult one because everyone has a very different interpretation of what fun means. But yeah, I, I'm always clear that the conversational copy is the baseline. Same as being human and open and honest. There are also the other things that clients like to throw in there. And they're just such bland words and the things that we should already be before we get started. Like, why wouldn't you be open and honest? And if copywriting is a conversation, then of course it's human. So you need the other words that bring the tone to life to to change that conversational um, copy into something that you can own as a brand. Nice, nice. Um, yeah. One of the the first tips I've heard um, for writing conversational copy is to you know stop writing to everyone and, and try writing to the biggest fan. Is that a part of conversational copy as well? Yeah, um, I can't remember which uh, advertising legend it was. Maybe Gossage or Burnback, who who said, or I hate, hope I haven't got either of them wrong, but um, who said at the top of your copy, write dear John or whoever you're writing to, and then carry on writing, and then at the end of it, take that away, um, so that yeah. So when you start writing, you've always got this one person in mind. Um, if if that helps sort of guide you through. Um, I always say that when you're approaching copywriting um, as a conversation, think about um, how you would talk to your aunt in the living room. Um, so it's maybe conversational, but a little bit polite. That'd be where my starting point is. And then you can dial it up or down depending on the brand tone of voice. So, um, you know, more aunt in the living room than mate in the pub swearing and, and using slang. Yeah, I often um, w- when clients say, "Oh, I don't want conversational um, a conversational tone," then we just clarified that um, because it doesn't sound professional. And yeah. I always reflect that. Well, think about your best salesperson. They're polite and they're still friendly, and they still have conversations with people as they try and persuade them to a sale. So, how is it different? And I think just coming up with the right case and the right example for clients can really help. Yeah, I think um, I think clients worry that conversational copy means uh, disrespectful and, and sloppy and chatty and, and not professional. But actually, writing in a way that your audience is going to understand you is going to be more effective than using a load of jargon and formal language that will put people off. So as well as what you've just said, you always get oh, but our legals don't need to be in the t- in the tone of voice or the conversational copy. They need to be in legal language. And I always say, but why? Like the legals are the most important bit that you need somebody to understand. So why write them in a way that they wouldn't speak and, and understand in a natural conversation? Um, so, yeah, it's hard to sort of make it clear that conversational copy does work. But um, 
I'd always say to if if you're struggling with a client to write both options. So one, how they would prefer it in their more professional, in inverted commas, way, and the other in a conversational way. And more often than not, they'll see that it's easier to read uh, conversational copy than something that sounds sort of unnatural and, and more formal. I think aunt in the living room rather than mate in the pub is should should be put on a t-shirt. I think that's probably one of the best <laughs> ways to explain it to a client ever. Do you know what I mean? So it is chatty, but it's it's polite. I mean, my aunt isn't particularly polite, so I don't know. She'll probably be in the pub. Um, I hope she, she doesn't listen to this podcast, so we're, we're all right. But I think that's a really, really really great way of describing it like may possibly be our meme i think we found our meme belinda oh great we always look for a good meme and we found it i'd love that That, yeah i'll share that away that would be lovely there we go i might even get it put on a mug or something there you go i'm obsessed (laughs) with i'm obsessed with merchandise we haven't done it yet but we hope to one day now another thing that i find has always been quite helpful when i'm trying to write you know, warm, engaging, kind of chatty, conversational copy is to use questions. So to, you know, obviously prompt your user to engage through asking them questions uh, to start off the whole conversation. Because, you know, most conversations start with a question. So mm-hmm. how do you find using questions in conversational can help make it more persuasive? How you talk to a, a person by your side, you would throw in questions because you're, it's a two-way conversation. You're asking the person to engage with you. Um, it's also a really good way into getting to know somebody or to invite them into what you're about to say, especially when you know, often we're writing for clients and we've got so much to get out. Um, it's easy to break it up as, a, as questions every now and again. Uh, it gives the reader a bit of a break as well. It lets them think. The only thing is, you can often see ads with questions that people are just going to say no to. And the minute they've read your question and said no, they're not going to read the rest of the copy. So they've got to be questions that are meaningful or, or are going to encourage someone to think more. So my favorite example of a question that a customer or an audience can say no to is in a magazine, it's for um, TPs. You know those things that clean between your teeth like floss? Oh, Yeah. Right, I'm throwing you, but yes, yeah, so like floss, and the headline on the ad was, um, uh, is your toothbrush missing something? <laughs> no. And no one's going to read that and go, oh my God, yes, <laughs> I, I knew it was missing something, this advert is the answer to my prayers, what is it, what is it missing? Like, just You're just going to flick through that question, or... Um, Using product names in a question before the, the audience knows what the product is. So that's quite arrogant and, and selfish, really. So, so uh, for example, I don't want to name any brands and do them a disservice. So let's make up a broadband company called Zoom. And imagine the question is, do you want Zoom broadband? Well, no, I don't know what it is. So why would I want it? Whereas if you put a benefit into the question, like, do you want your broadband to go faster? Everyone wants their broadband to go faster. So they're going to respond to that sort of a question. Yeah, I think it's all you have to know your audience pretty well before you ask those questions because you need to be sure that, you know, the majority of them are going to say yes and then be led to maybe the next question. You know, the whole three question structure do you want this? Do you want this? Do you want this? Well, we can do all of that and more. That's how I write my copy (laughs) in that voice when I write my copy. Yeah, so um, questions can be can be powerful. Do you use those in your copywriting, Belinda? Um, yeah, where I think opening with a question is is 
a kind of a classic trick, but and I, I think careful wording is what's needed because, of course, it depends what level of awareness the reader has as opposed, you know, to what answer they're going to have. And some of them are just can be really obvious. Um, so I think opening like, with a question can be you, really effective. Do you breathe air? Do you breathe air? Do you have, yeah. do you have teeth? Well, yeah, that's right. That's right. So, yeah, I do like it. I also like opening with a challenge. So, you know, that that's a double punch combo, I think, if used well. Um, but speaking of punching, segue, I would say. Um, <laughs> that was beautiful. I know. Um, let me do it, though. Let me do it. Um, conversational copy, I think, generally can be short and punchier um, rather than long and waffly. And this is ties into the whole long versus short ongoing discussion on copywriting. Do you have any thoughts on this tip, length as it fits to conversational tone? Uh, well, you can have long conversations and you can have short conversations. So um, <laughs> you can write as much as you want, as long as it's interesting. That's my uh, take on the debate that just don't write boring copy and go on about it um no one wants to read waffle they want to read what's interesting so you know talk up the benefits and share facts but do it in a way that rewards the audience that that keeps them going through the paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs um by using more than just conversational copy but techniques that make words work and dance across the page so you know repetition uh, alliteration rhyming pausing for impact the power of three questions um all, all of those things to to keep it going absolutely i couldn't agree more and I, there's that whole you, you don't use a single word more than necessary and so it's just about um keeping yourself on point really so we talked about being punchy and short and another part of copywriting, which is all rah, 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 and has been for the last couple of years, is storytelling. We should all be telling stories and engaging people through stories. And of course, in conversations, we often do tell stories, but they're often the most boring bit of a conversation when someone starts waffling on about their journey and their story and you wish the conversation would end and you can run away. So how does or how or does or why does storytelling play a role in conversational copy uh, you just made me cringe a bit because my husband tells me I tell the most long and boring stories um <laughs> but um storytelling so you can tell a story um conversationally just like you would sort of recount a tale about your holiday or your weekend you wouldn't use a different tone you'd still be conversational um I think people think that storytelling ha has to be romantic and whimsical um and like uber creative but it's it's oh well it's it's a buzzword for that we've sort of taken on in the copywriting world well I haven't because I don't like it um so what was the question <laughs> does it have a rolling <laughs> sorry do we have to do it? No. I mean, I know what you're saying. Like, you know, it's, it's, it, tell a story, make it relevant, make it interesting, make it engaging, make it yeah. relatable and do that in a conversational yeah. tone. It does, uh, com you know, style that, that it's not a separate beast. It's just a, don't all of a sudden, when you get to the storytelling bit, adopt a kind of, you know, Beowulf romantic lyricism. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly chatty style yeah. you had already you know well there's nothing wrong with a bit of beowulf <laughs> i will say that do like it i'm probably putting it wrong and people are thinking it's beowulf <laughs> anyway let's move on from storytelling because it does it makes me itchy the word storytelling 
Um, so we've got some questions from our listeners now, actually, and we've got this one from Steve May, and he asked, do you think, I think you've already answered this, do you think there are different tones of conversational copy? And I think we can say absolutely yes. Yeah, I mean, it, it's like uh, however you would talk to a person, sorry, I get repetitive, but there's really not much to it. So um, is if you were talking to a person, if you were sad about something, you'd be conversational, but with a sad tone. And if you were excited, you'd be conversational, but excited. And so there's a place for all of those uh, tones. It, it's like reflecting a mood. You know, if you're writing for a company that needs to send a debt collection letter to their customers, you'd take a serious tone, but you'd be better off writing it conversationally um, with that serious tone to get your point across. Um, like I said earlier, when people think terms and conditions should be written in sort of a legal jargony way, that's not how everybody speaks. So if it's that important, why not make sure you write it conversationally so people know what they're being told to do? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really good example as well because so many of those terms and conditions and, and parts of privacy policies and things like that are so tedious and confusing. And I think it makes people's um, radars go up a bit to say, well, I'm not sure what this is saying and I think I'm being flimflammed. Well, yeah, I um, joined a TV company over here um, for my TV provider, sorry, and um, all their sort of uh, – comms to get me going were all like big entertainment messages really exciting couldn't wait to turn the tv on and then I was getting other letters which were clearly written by a different part of the business asking me to set up my direct debit um, account so that I could pay for the tv and I was ignoring them because I thought that's not from the same company so I don't need to respond to these and then I got you know the red one saying if you don't respond now we're going to cut your tv off and I thought wow I really thought that was just some sort of spam thing going on I don't know if that says much about my intelligence but um yeah, it just felt like it was coming from somewhere else and uh, we should be consistent in our conversational tone um, everywhere. I think that, that leads nicely into the next the next question because I think that's the problem sometimes that people are chatty sally on you know Facebook and maybe in their email marketing. But then suddenly when it comes to their direct mail or their print ads, the conversational tone just goes away. And I think that's possibly because people think that conversational tone works better in some media's rather than others. Do you, do you think that's true? I mean, or should we just keep a tone and keep a style regardless of where we are? Um, it, everything should be the same everywhere. If you are a brand um, who employs a conversational um, way of writing with whatever your tone of voice is on top of that, it needs to be everywhere. Otherwise, you're not going to um, you're just not going to become a recognized and familiar brand. People won't know who's talking to them and, and where. So uh, probably the, the worst question I ever hear in a, in a client meeting is, oh, do we need to use our conversational copy and tone of voice in that bit? And like, yes, you need to use it everywhere. Yeah. But do you think it works better in some media than others? Do you think it's easier to be conversational when you're writing, I mean, obviously a video script, pretty easy. Radio script, pretty easy. Terms and conditions, it is harder, let's be honest. Do you think it's, do you think it's easier in some channels than others? Not really, but maybe because I've been doing it for a long time. Like um, The geek in me absolutely loves getting hold of a company's terms and conditions and turning them into something that sounds more human and conversational um, because it's so easy to do. Um, you don't have to rewrite everything. You can take what's given to you. It's all that legal, jargony, boring stuff. That's that's how I 
technically name things um and just put in just do some word swaps like instead of per household or per month you can say a household or a month and not even household change that to home or change words like uh, will not or cannot into contractions like things like that will instantly make something feel conversational uh, without rewriting the whole thing Nice, great tip. I'm sure everyone will be looking to their own terms and conditions now. I know I will actually. I'm <laughs> going to put that on my list. Um, so we've got a question here from Bill Harper and he asks, um, how do you convince your client to let you write this way when they insist it's not, air quotes, professional enough for a business? And I think we've already covered this a little as well. Yeah, we have. But just to briefly recap, so conversational copy doesn't mean not professional. Knowing your audience and writing in the way that they speak or or will understand, that's professional because that's going to get results. So what business wouldn't want their message to be easy to read and digest? Um, if you're struggling to convince a client, then uh, like I said, do do two options, one w- their way in uh, air quotes, professional copy tone. See, I, I, what's professional? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. And then um, and then a conversational version, because, like I said earlier, conversational doesn't mean disrespectful or, or chatty. It just means, you know, easy to read like you were talking to somebody. Um, and then if necessary, you can always do A-B testing. You can, but also I think, you know, you don't necessarily have to go to your client and say, I've decided I'm going to write your copy in a conversational way. You know, it's not a question that you have to broach with them. You don't have to kind of go, are you happy with me doing this? It's 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 how you write. And when they come back and say, oh, this feels a bit friendly, you know, <laughs> or it feels a bit unprofessional, yeah. ask them to explain what they mean. And, and then use, I think Belinda's example is really good about, you know, your best salesperson, bring in the aunt line. But God, that's the, we're going to bring wheel that art line in from evermore now, and and ask them to justify <laughs> why they don't like it rather than make persuading them before they even get to that point. Does that make sense? See, I'm not. Yeah, yeah, it does. And also, it's um, like I keep saying it. You have to know your audience, so it has to be conversational as appropriate to who you're writing to. So it might not always be your aunt in the living room. It might be, uh, you might be a scientific business and you might be writing a, a paper to scientists. So you would need to put scientists would use in conversation. That's not the same as using language that mums would use at the supermarket. That's very different. So it's being a, being relevant to your audience in a conversational way that suits them. And I think you've mentioned respect as well. Like you're not disrespecting your audience. I think actually um, adjusting what we do, we, we, we write in different ways according to what the audience will understand best. And that's showing a level of respect for the reader. And I think as well, um, yeah. Leading into the next question, which is also from Bill Harper. I have never had an issue with clients coming to me after I've written their copy saying, hey, you know, I thought I wanted it to be more professional. This feels a bit a bit too friendly and a bit too warm and blah, 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 because the copy on my website is conversational. So kind of when you book me, that's what mm-hmm. you're going to get because that's the way that I write. And yet I often find that copywriters themselves, for some bizarre reason, when they're writing their own websites, go into this kind of, I am a copywriter and that, and they lose that whole personality <laughs> thing. So that, yes, 
there is a shock when suddenly you get your copy back and it's all a bit more warm and engaging because your own website isn't conversational. So I would say copywriters, look at your own websites and take Vicky's tips and start there. So moving on to Bill's next question, which I think is really helpful because we've talked about this as if we all know how to do this. And you mentioned a few little tips there, contractions and plain English. But if you're a fairly restrained writer, how do you develop that conversational tone in your writing when you haven't been taught to write like that, when those kind of don't start a sentence with and and but lessons are so ingrained in you? How do you let that go and learn how to write in a more conversational voice? Well, it takes practice because if you're not used to it, it is really hard to let go. And I still write emails, you know, I probably wrote quite formally to you guys when we were setting this up. You just can't help it. It's sort of ingrained in you. Um, I I always use ensure in a, you know, client email, like ensure, oh, I can't say that conversationally. So it is hard to let go and, and move on. But you just have to always remember that copywriting is a conversation. So if you wouldn't really say something that you've written then don't keep it in your copy. Um, there are different rules. Um, in fact, there are hardly any rules really uh, in copywriting as there are in formal English literature or language learning. Um, so put in some word swaps, like I mentioned with the terms and conditions earlier. Um, things like view. So I work with a, one of my TV clients. They love saying view. And, I, and I, every time I see them, I'm like, no, you wouldn't say view. You wouldn't say, did you view the football last night? Or did you, what did you view at the cinema? You'd say, what did you see? Or what did you watch? So don't be afraid to use words that you would really say, because that's what makes your copywriting conversational um and then like i said also earlier co- uh, the contractions they instantly warm copy up but yeah is it just about letting go of whatever your english teacher's name was just get him or her out of your mind and look at the blank page with a different um approach copywriting is a conversation I think there's some great tips there, some great tips there. Um, Sandra Muller asks, is it possible to have um, to be conversational if our audience are not native English speakers, which I've never considered? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is where you must be conversational, actually. This is where you must use plain English and, and easy to digest words and often smaller words than bigger words because that's what um, – foreign people learn first Um, and then also if you're doing market translations you want it to be simple you want to be you want the copy to be a simple translation rather than having to make it market appropriate all the time because that costs more money so if you've written in English and you've put in loads of sort of British humor uh, innuendos uh, play on words puns things like that don't translate directly so keeping things conversational straightforward simple um and and easy is a better way to go for writing to different markets yeah i agree i mean i think unfortunately and i'll be honest with this i actually veer to be too conversational but the conversation is as if i'm having a conversation with a good friend so i leap straight into best mate conversation which is slang and shared idioms and blah 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 and sometimes you do need to put it back and appreciate who your audience is you know I think you mentioned when we contact you for the podcast that perhaps you were slightly formal and perhaps I was slightly too informal do you know what I mean and 
always knowing, it's always gauging that and being cautious of it. And the other thing that I think you have to be very cautious of is when you're trying to be conversational and it just comes across a little bit cheesy and a little bit try hard, like you're trying to be too pally pally, like your dudes come and buy our new, ugh, you know, do you know what I mean? How do we avoid being cheesy with our conversational copy? Well, for some brands, it's right to be cheesy or or say, hey, dude, um, like uh, Pot Noodle over here, they had a campaign a couple of years ago where they called Pot Noodles the slag of all snacks. And Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, and so, you know, I mean, how fun to write in that tone of voice and, and pushing your conversational copy to be more like, you know, 2 a.m. mates on the way home from a club drunk. That That's so fun to write like that. Um, so... Cheesy has a place. Sorry, I'm not saying that pot, no- pot noodle was cheesy. I was just trying to give an extreme example of um, the opposite of staying, uh, of talking to your aunt in the pub. Um, so yeah, but cheesy can have a place, um, but you don't want to make anyone cringe. So it's got to be right for the brand. So then that comes back to the brand tone of voice and the brand personality. I can't think of a brand that's cheesy actually. Um, I think often we see cheesy copy and it just doesn't feel right um, because it's not right for the brand or what's being said isn't right for the reader. So last week I got a, a, a cup of tea um, in a coffee shop called Costa. I shouldn't name and shame people, should I? But anyway, well, I did on Twitter, actually, so never mind. Um, and their napkin said something like, we've been wiping happy faces since whatever the time frame was. And I just thought, oh, shut up. (laughs) Right? Doesn't mean you always should. Like, you don't need a message on a napkin. That that added nothing. And, And it felt cheesy. It felt uncomfortable. I didn't like it. It feels like um, a brain, you know, boardroom brainstorming. Come on, everyone. Everyone. Yeah. We can come up with something uh, funny and cute. Well, also, everyone. I don't know if you have this over there. Uh, well, I know you're in different places, but the Innocent Smoothie brand. So over here, um, most uh, brands want to sound like Innocent, and it's just not appropriate because that's Innocent's brand personality and tone of voice, and you should always create your own. Um, but Innocent do writing everywhere exceptionally well, and I think Costa was maybe thinking, oh, um, Innocent write on the bottom of their uh, smoothie bottles um where people might not even notice it because how many people turn their smoothie bottle upside down but it does actually say um stop looking at my bottom um which is just lovely but then costa putting we've been wiping happy faces i was just f- off yeah oh, I've, I've been desperate i've been desperate for someone to swear we might make a little beep okay. noise Honk. We <laughs> Yeah. No, I so get what you mean. And obviously you're British and you're deeply cynical <laughs> and most normal people would think, oh, Costa, you're lovely. What a lovely <laughs> napkin. Um, but it is, in Australia, for example, it's like when Telstra tries to be funny. It's like Telstra's are like British Telecom and they're just not funny. The brand is like the least funny. And when they try and be cool like Vodafone or Virgin Mobile, it, it just makes you want to put your hands on your face and scream. So, and I'm sure... Uh, I'm not sure. in America. Everyone tries a bit too hard, don't they, Belinda? I don't know. What do you think? Um, it's really interesting. I find um, I find the opposite. Actually, it feels like almost every piece of marketing I see, from billboards to actual letters, is written in the style of direct mail. Oh, really? 
that's what I feel like. Um, and I feel like uh, some some pieces um, of marketing, especially billboards, because I'm in Silicon Valley, so all the billboards here are very business focused. I feel like they must be really affordable because a lot of people <laughs> get have billboards. It's not just big companies. And so I often find myself driving around nearly crashing because I'm like, whoa, who, why, what? Um, so, yeah, I feel like a lot of them are a direct mail. They just need a yellow highlighter to, to finish them off. It's quite bizarre. We need to do an episode on that. But I think it's, it's just as you said, like, you know, don't try and borrow other people's conversational style, you know, like be true to your brand values and be true to your audience and don't try to be cool if you're not cool. You can still have a conversation with someone, but it just doesn't have to be a cool conversation. It can be an earnest conversation or a, or a real conversation or a, or, a, or a slightly boring conversation. But if your audience is slightly boring, that's the kind of conversation they want. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> anyway. But also in conversation, you don't always be afraid to not say anything at all. You know, sometimes we can sit quietly with our friends and family and not have a conversation. And that applies to copywriting too. So where Costa had that napkin and thought, let's write something on it, they could have just kept quiet. Yeah. Or you could have just cheered up a bit and liked the napkin. (laughs) What do you reckon? Um, so we've we've I think we've covered a lot of awesome things here, and I think a lot of our listeners will have a few aha moments. Hopefully, they have because um, I feel the way you've approached this conversation is not a tone, um, is definitely a shift in perspective, and I I think that's most awesome. But I wonder, do you have any final tips for our listeners? Vicky? Yeah. So whenever I'm teaching copywriting, um, conversational copywriting, I always say um, the three sort of basic uh, tips to get you going before you do anything else is get real, get personal and get active. And get real is using the everyday language and writing how you'd really speak. Um, get personal is putting the first band name sort of 85 times in a long piece of copy is it can feel quite cold and unnatural and get active is the active voice not the passive voice because we always want to be involved in the copy not feeling like it's already happened um, in the past and then also um, I would highly recommend Steve Harrison's book how to write better copy Um, I read it in two hours it's so easy to read and it's so great and it's it's fairly new, about a year and a half old. So examples in there are, are, are recent. Um, and, well, typically any book written by a copywriter is really easy to read because they write conversationally. Top tip. We will include a link to that book in the show notes and I haven't read that one, so that goes on my shopping list, the books to buy. So many books, so little time. Vicky, thank you so much <laughs> for joining us on the podcast today some amazing tips a killer meme and uh costa coffee will be suing us i'm sure by the week. thank you very much thank you very much um and thank you belinda and as we know thank you thank you thank you regular listeners will know that this is the time we read out a review of the show and today we're giving a shout out to nikita morell And she says, I've been listening to this podcast for over a year now. Wow. And it's hands down my favorite. It's brain food. It offers practical advice that you can immediately apply. Plus, Kate and Belinda are hilarious on a good day. Not today, maybe. Do yourself a favor and listen to this today. Thank you very much. And thank you to you for listening. If you like 
the show. Don't forget to leave a rating or review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you heard this podcast. Your review will help others find us and make us happy and we'll give you a shout out on the show. You can also head to the hot copypodcast.com and leave your comments on the blog post for this episode. So thank you again Belinda and Vicky. Thank you Kate. Thank you Vicky. Thanks ladies. Bye. Until next time happy writing. Thanks for listening right to the end. If you enjoyed this podcast you might enjoy my two other podcasts. I have one called The Recipe for SEO Success, which is all about SEO tips, advice, and helping you grapple the Google beast. And my other, The Confessions of a Misfit Entrepreneur, which is all about dealing with the stresses of running your own business. You can find both of them on iTunes and Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, the dog has started. Whatever. Okay, let's go. You ready? Are we ready? Are we all ready? Yeah? Everyone make a noise. Make a noise like a pigeon. Cool, cool. <gasps>